are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in five, four, three, two. Hello, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible because of a grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals, the HSG, and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we have Erin Patterson on with us, um, who is actually a part of the HD community. Um, and she's recently written a book and she's going to share with us um, about her book and a little bit about herself and um, where you can where you can get her book. So Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's start off with you telling a little bit of how you are directly affected by HD. Um, so Huntington's disease runs in my family. Um, I didn't know about Huntington's disease in my family until I was 31 years old. So it was quite late to find out about the disease. Uh, what happened was my husband and I were excited to start trying to have a family. So we went over to my parents' house for brunch one morning and announced, hey, mom and dad, we're excited to let you know you'll probably be grandparents next year. And unfortunately, um, our announcement was not met with the fanfare that we had expected. Uh, my mom loves kids. She ran a home daycare in our home. So I thought they would be super excited that they'd be finally having grandchildren. Um, we had been married for over five years at this point in time. So it wasn't something that should have been unexpected. Unfortunately, that's when they revealed to us that there was um, a suspicion that my grandmother might have had something um, some disease when she died. Um, at the time that she died, they didn't, hadn't discovered the gene for Huntington's disease yet. So nothing was confirmed. And after she passed away, I guess everybody just kind of forgot about it and didn't bring it up again until my husband and I said that we were having children. So I was actually, um, I made the decision to get tested and found out I was gene positive for HD within a short eight month period which as I, you can imagine is a very short time to absorb that information, make the decision to get tested, and then also find out I was gene positive and then have to figure out, well, now what are we gonna do about having a family? Um, are all of our dreams that we had dreamed for so long dead or were we just gonna go ahead and have a family anyway? Um, so we decided to have a family anyway. I thought to myself, my life has value with a person as, as gene positive for HD and so would the life of my child. So we continued trying to conceive naturally. Unfortunately, after a year of trying, um, we ended up seeking the help of a fertility doctor because we were unable to get pregnant. And we went through two and a half years of fertility treatments. We tried treat treatments that were as minimally invasive as possible at first. Um, starting off with just things like psychomonitoring and eventually adding in some drugs to help you produce more eggs. And when nothing worked, we ended up at an IVF as our next best option. And when we're faced with the IVF, I thought I can't do the IVF without doing PGD 
since we're going that far, I didn't feel comfortable not doing PGD. So we went through the process of IVF with PGD two times, but unfortunately we weren't successful with that either. So eventually, uh, after taking a year off to think about things, we decided to try adopting, but we weren't sure how my genetic static would impact our ability to adopt a baby. And unfortunately there was nowhere for us to turn to to get those answers. The only thing we could do was try. So we approached the adoption process kind of hesitantly. Um, I had to try it just to so, so I could say I tried everything, but I didn't really expect it to work. Uh, and we talked about HD in a positive manner when we were going through everything, because um, you have to have home study interviews and be interviewed by an adoption practitioner for a total of 10 hours. So it was, we, we were pretty sure that our history with Huntington's disease was gonna come out in that. So we approached everything with a positive attitude. And fortunately we are chosen to be the parents of a newborn baby girl um, a year and a half after starting trying to adopt, but it had been five and a half years since we had started trying to have a family. So that's five and a half years of hellish time for me condensed into a couple of minutes. <laughs> That's, that's so amazing. First off, I want to address one thing. I love that you just said that we have value. Um, and so our child would have value too, um, because that's how I feel. Um, mm -hmm. So that um, means a lot to me that you said that. Um, so I, that's awesome that you decided to continue to live your life and still go after family planning and do whatever that you could and congratulations on adopting and that's Thanks. awesome <laughs> um, so my husband and I went through a very similar thing with okay well are we going to adopt are we going to um, do IVF with PGD and then I ended up having fertility issues and um, so we totally gave up on the idea after doing foster parent classes and a social worker you know told us that because we have dogs, there's no way that we could foster. Um, so we decided, well, it's just never going to be for us. And then I ended up having, um, I have endometriosis and I had a procedure mm -hmm. to remove it and yeah. ended up pregnant. Oh, wow. Me. Congratulations. Yeah. So it was absolutely crazy. Had been married for 14 years and it happened. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so I just love that you shared all of that. And you talked about how hellish it was for five years. Like seriously, yes. it's amazing. <laughs> congratulations on adopting, Thank you. going through Thank you that. very much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so tell me about um, your book. Uh, so basically the book is about all of that, <laughs> but in much more detail. Um, when I was diagnosed as gene positive for Huntington's disease, it felt like the most devastating thing to ever happen to me, but also the most important thing to ever happen to me. And after I, I was new to the HD community, so I knew absolutely nobody in the HD community. I didn't have any lived experience with HD. So I didn't even understand when I read off the internet what those lists of symptoms were, what that even meant. Uh, so it was very difficult to me because it just seemed like this weird elusive thing. And I was making all these moral decisions and it just felt really important for me to share my story and talk about it, especially since my entire family didn't really talk about it. And it was very much a secretive thing in my family. And 
for a long time, I kept it a secret, um, mainly because I was afraid of uh, how people would react. I thought people wouldn't want to be my friend anymore. I thought my husband would leave me. So I was very, very nervous in the beginning. And then after going through all those fertility treatments, I was worried that we wouldn't be able to adopt a baby. So I wasn't very public about the fact that I had HD. Of course, I had to share it with our adoption practitioner during the home study interviews, but I was very careful about what I said then. So I, I felt like I was living a very guarded life. And that's not the kind of person I am. I'm very expressive and very emotional and very open. I have trouble keeping secrets. Uh, so finally, I decided I'd had enough. After we had our daughter and the adoption was approved, I felt I could start loosening up a little bit more. And I just, I really got sick of hiding the secret and it made me feel ashamed. And I thought, well, I don't have anything to be ashamed about. Like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. It's just something in my genetics. It's just something that's going to happen to me and something that I can't control. So why am I living with all of this shame? Uh, so I started writing about it. I wanted to write a book because of, this was an important thing and a book felt just as important. You know, it kind of matched the importance of it. And I just felt like there was so much to say. I couldn't sum it all up in a blog post. Um, and I just wrote really tentatively at first because I was really afraid to even put it down on paper. And luckily I had an amazing writing coach who helped coax the things out of me and helped see the value of my story and that it could help other people. Um, so four years later, the book has finally come out. <laughs> um, it's listed for sale on Amazon. It's called All Good Things, a memoir about um, genetic testing, infertility, and one woman's relentless search for happiness. So awesome. And I, again, I, I just love that you, that you mentioned feeling ashamed um, yeah. because I think you're right. I think that for some reason, those of us who are gene positive, I don't know why we feel ashamed that we have this because we didn't ask for it. So, um, and yet I've, I've felt that way too. So mm -hmm. I just love that you um, wrote a book about this. Love that you're sharing your story and not hiding and just being yourself. That's awesome. It's, it's awesome, but it's, it can be hard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> It's emotionally exhausting sometimes just to um, be out there and speak about it. And I, I do a lot of uh, blog writing now because I'm trying to reach different people. So I've had over 25 stories published online in the last three years. And it can be emotionally draining to put yourself out there or post things on Instagram. But I just feel it's really important just to share my experiences so that I'm putting a voice to things. I'm saying, this is how I felt. Maybe you feel this way, maybe you don't, but it's just helpful um, for it to be out there for other people to know that that's what people feel like. And for yeah. others to learn as well, because a lot of the times um, people in my family don't even know, didn't even know how I felt about certain things. So it's helpful for, for them to understand what I'm going through as well. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And you give the voice um, to, to people with HD, right? Like we, I think we tend to feel like her, I feel like personally, um, because I've been a caregiver and I'm, I'm gene positive, so I feel like sometimes the the voice of the patient, the voice of the person with HD gets kind of silenced by the caregiver, not on purpose, but just because 
um, you know, they're having, they have a different perspective. So I, I think it's so important to have these stories and to have, um, to have all of these people speaking up about what it's like and what we feel um, when we're gene positive or symptomatic or whatever it is, because we don't want our voice to be silenced. Mm -hmm. And I think it's especially important to voice what it feels like to go through genetic testing and be in those in-between years when you don't have symptoms yet. It, it took a long time for me to understand why I was so upset. And then I doubted my own feelings and I thought, well, I don't even have it yet. So what's the big deal? Why, why am I so worried? Or, uh, and other people would say things to me, like you could get hit by a bus tomorrow and die. Why are you so worried? Right? Well, because I'm not planning on getting hit by a bus tomorrow. <laughs> so, and then it was all through, um, counseling through an HD counselor. I was in, um, group counseling. She just said to me one day, well, you're grieving the future you thought you had. Yes. And then it all clicked in for me. I was like, oh, okay, now I understand what's going on. Yes, that totally makes sense because for sure I didn't think that this was in my future. Right. I, I dreamed of living to 99 years old, like my mom's mom, and knitting on the porch and watching a whole bunch of grandchildren playing on the lawn. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was very difficult. And Absolutely. and a lot of the shame I felt was. Uh, when I, when I was younger, you feel in control of your life, you know, you have a set path and you're working your way towards doing those things. And then all of a sudden HD gets in the way and you feel like you've totally lost control of your future and you don't know what to do to gain any control back. And the thought of becoming a burden to my husband or to my family and them having to take care of me, that was a lot to wrap my head around at 31 years old. Absolutely. The, the thought that somebody else was going to be, have to be making decisions for me. That was really hard. Absolutely. I'm with you 100%. <laughs> so how old is your daughter? She's nine now. <laughs> yes. So we yeah. adopted her when she was 10 days old. We brought her home. Aww. And yeah. um, so have you, I'm just curious, have you educated her on HD yet? Yes. So my dad has late onset HD, um, but over the years, especially in the last year, things have progressed a little bit more. Um, so we always talk to her about HD in relation to her grandpa. And um, we talk to her in a kind and positive way because that's the way you should treat people. But also because I know I'm teaching her how she's going to be treating me one day. So I think it's really important to, for me to model good behavior. So when something happens with grandpa, we just say, oh, grandpa's brain doesn't work the same way as ours. So that's why he's having trouble doing this or grandpa, grandpa's legs don't work the same way as ours. So that's why he's having trouble. He can't go into the lake with you anymore, right? So she, she did know about it in relation to my dad. And then I did... I do talk to her a lot about my goals and dreams with when I was writing the book and um, she knows when I'm going to be on a blog or on a podcast, right? But I never told her what it was about. <laughs> and then just one day, very recently in the last six months, she just woke up. She just walked right up to me in the kitchen and said, mom, is there anybody else in our family who has Huntington's disease? And I was like, oh, why do you ask? 
oh, I just want to know, mom, is there anybody else? <laughs> and she just kept pushing the point. So then I said, well, yes, I'm going to get it one day. Oh, why didn't you tell me, mom? Well, I didn't want to worry you. Well, I wouldn't have worried, but you could have told me, mom. <laughs> and then I said, well, how did you figure it out? She's like, well, you're just talking about it, writing about it all the time. So I figured it out. So, so now she knows about me, which is something I was kind of dreading telling her, but it came out naturally. And we just tell her the information she needs to know as she grows. So when she shows an interest in asking something, then we answer her um, honestly and truthfully, right? Tell her, we don't hide things from her, um, but we don't overshare with her either. Yeah. Yeah. So where could we find um, your blog posts? Um, you can go to my website, erinpatterson.com. It's Patterson with one T and all of my blog posts are on there, but I have written for the site. I had a column for huntingtonsdiseasenews.com. Um, I also write a lot on the mighty.com oh. and I have some articles on um, adopt for life and Kevin MD. So I'm on about 12 different websites, but you, you could find everything at erinpatterson.com. That's awesome. What about, um, do you have a link on your website to Amazon for your book? Yes. Yeah, it's up there as well. So currently it's just available on Amazon, but in the new year, I will be expanding onto other platforms like Indigo and Barnes and Noble and Kobo and Nook and things like that. And are you looking towards doing like a, um, a tour at all um, or signings or anything like that in the future? Uh, well, with COVID, that's kind of been hard to plan. <laughs> so uh, eventually I'll start thinking about that when things start getting back to normal. Um, we're in our fourth wave up here, so things are still not quite fully opened up. Uh, it's a little, um, we're still masking and everything up here. But yeah, eventually, or maybe a Facebook tour or something. <laughs> oh, there's an idea. Yeah. Uh, what about another book? Are you considering that? Um, I'm opening also a publishing company. Um, oh. Yeah, so it's going to be focused on... Um, what I want to do or I am going to do is publish uh, empowering medical anthologies. So it's going to be a grouping of stories from different disease communities that are focused on telling positive stories about living with um, different diseases. So I'm, awesome. I'll be launching that in the new year as well. Well, I cannot wait to um, see that. Please make sure to go check on Amazon for the book. Tell us the title one more time. All Good Things, a memoir about genetic testing, infertility, and one woman's relentless search for happiness. Awesome. And I'm going to share that on the show page as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. And guys, thank you uh, for tuning in today. Please make sure to tune in next week. Um, please make sure that you're also um, looking for the Help 4HD symposium, virtual symposium stuff. Um, there's a great lineup. Uh, so that is um, the 16th and 17th. And there's information on help4hd.org. And until next week, I hope everybody takes care and I love you.
listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.